Right, okay, the background uh, to what we're going to be doing tonight was um, a couple of weeks ago, Blinda came up to me and first of all she got me in an arm lock, then we moved into the full Nelson and she said, I think you want to do a study on forgiveness and I think you want to do it now. No, she didn't. Actually, she came up to me and she said, oh darling, you're so wonderful and you're so handsome and Oh, you're so gorgeous, and no one could do a study on forgiveness as well as you. No, she didn't. She didn't say that either. She said, "I think it'd be good to do a study on forgiveness," and uh, so that's that's sort of like what we're going to do tonight. Um, we're we're going to meander our way through it to, to to really make sure that we, you know, sort of take it take it into our hearts. And um, let's let's start with um, if you go to Matthew chapter 6 we'll, we'll start in 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 the Sermon on the Mount and um, just uh, one bit of the um, the so-called Lord's Prayer it shouldn't really be called the Lord's Prayer because it, it's not Jesus doesn't need to pray that prayer uh, he, he taught it for us to pray um, but in, in in Matthew 6 um, and you want verse 12 and uh, the last bit of the prayer is, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then, immediately afterwards, he went on and he said, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so what you've got in verse 12 is a link between our own forgiveness from God and the forgiveness that we extend to those who we consider have sinned against us or sinned against other people. You've got forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And the way this, this prayer is phrased by Jesus is that it's actually saying Lord, because I have forgiven others, therefore forgive me. Which, which is quite a way to, to think about it. And then Jesus underlines the fact that if it's not like that, if you don't forgive other men their sins, then your Heavenly Father won't forgive you your sins. Now, obviously, we're not talking here about uh, forgiveness of sins in the sense of whether or not you're going to heaven or whether or not you're going to lake of fire. Jesus is here talking um, to those who follow him. And so the issue here isn't, if you believe on Jesus, if Jesus is your saviour, obviously you're going to heaven. But what we're talking about here is the link between our relationship with God and the relationship that we have with other people. And that therefore, if we're to say that we're right with God in any kind of ongoing way, then that's got to show in the sense that where we are with God is going to show um, in how we are with other people. And so one of the ways that uh, we can, you know, like say, well, am, am I truly forgiven before God? Am I truly right with God? Um, is to ask the question, well, have I truly forgiven all those who have sinned against me? Because if I haven't forgiven them, then God hasn't forgiven me. And there's always this link uh, you know, between, you know, how do I know where my relationship with God is? We'll look at your relationship in regards to other people. And if, if you go to Matthew 18, 
and uh, look at one of the parables that, that Jesus specifically told um, in regards to this, this whole subject. And uh, Matthew chapter 18, and um, we'll start at verse 21, and we'll immediately see, see the context here. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Now here's Peter with his limit on forgiveness. You know, here, here's Peter, um, you know, sort of able to extend grace to the extent that if you sin against him seven times, well, he'll graciously forgive you. Go beyond that and you'll be in trouble. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or in the Greek, literally, it's 70 times seven. So the point is that here's Peter with a little bit of forgiveness for other people. And Jesus says, no, that's, 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 that's no good, Peter. Not seven times, 70 times seven. And of course, you know, to the Jews, seven was this perfect number. And in a sense, you've got Jesus here, you know, sort of like symbolically saying an infinite number of times, Peter. That's what he's saying. There's no limit on the number of times that you ought to forgive your brother if he sins against you. And now in verse 23, Jesus goes into a parable that illustrates the principle behind it. And the thing that we've got to see tonight is precisely why it is that there can be no question of us having unforgiveness in our hearts towards other people. If we can see tonight how outrageous it would be for us to dare have unforgiveness against other people, then then tonight will be what it ought to be. And, and we, we've got to really get this. And Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, 10,000 talents, this is millions of pounds. If you were, you know, I mean, this, this is gold nuggets. This, this is a massive amount of money, all right, talents. Jesus is almost going over the top here. You know, it's sort of like a kid in a playground saying zillion, zillion, zillion. It's a, it's a stupid amount of money. It's Fort Knox kind of language. Jesus is really going over the top here. And he says, a uh, man was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Because, of course, the point is, that, that, that there's nothing, the whole totality of everything this man has and is cannot come near to repaying this debt. All right. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Now, obviously, here you have God's response to the cry for mercy. This, this is the whole essence of the Christian life. We can never, ever, ever be right with God. We're sinners before a holy God. There is nothing we can do. You know, sort of like, we, we can't come in any way close to, to being what we would need to be in order to be right with God. We cannot do it. 
and you know sort of like even if we say oh lord i'll try i'll try that's no you know that's no good we're sinful we're under god's judgment and the cry of mercy is that through the death of jesus that if we cry for mercy that debt is forgiven and, and god says right i forgive you all right so here the servant's master took pity on him cancelled the debt and let him go so here we've got one minute here's a bloke who is in debt to his master to a most ridiculous degree he hasn't got a hope of ever coming close repaying it cries out for mercy the master says well okay i'll let you off you don't owe me anything i'm wiping the debt cancelling the debt and it's interesting isn't it that when jesus died on the cross among his last words were it is finished and the greek for that phrase paiduo um has 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 been discovered in the dead sea scrolls to 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 be a very common you know kind of the thing that if you you know sort of like in the dead sea scrolls they found loads and loads of shopping shopping receipts and stuff like that and it's like if you pay a bill and it is stamped paid in full and that's what that word is you know it means debt cancelled nothing more to pay and, and and that's that that's what jesus did for us on the cross because he died for our sins there's nothing more to pay so here this guy he's led off this ridiculous debt that he owes but when the servant went out and 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 now we switch not to what the master has done for the servant but now now we switch to what the servant is up to when that servant went out he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii now this is a few quid right so he's been forgiven a debt of millions and zillions of pounds and now he meets someone who owes him a few quid literally a fiver all right a few denarii he grabbed him and began to choke him pay back what you owe me he demanded his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him be patient with me and i'll pay you back but he refused instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt when the other servants saw what had happened they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened then the master called the servant in you wicked servant he said i cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as i had mercy on you in anger his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart and of course the point is we see here how outrageous it was that this servant demanded a few pounds off of this bloke in the light of the fact that he had just been let off a debt of zillions of pounds and of course the point is jesus is telling this parable in regards to forgiving people their sins and of course the point is quite simply this and this is what we need to to, to underline and it's the fact that any sin that that you might do against me that anyone does against me all right any one sin no matter how big it is might be a dreadful 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 sin that you sin against me 
and 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 this extends even even out to to, to the really horrific stuff people whose children are murdered uh, someone whose wife is knocked over and killed by a drunk driver forgiveness has to from the little things out to the the really big things at the edge but the point is no matter what might ever be done against me by any individual person no matter how bad it is in my eyes or in the eyes of other people it is only a few quid when compared with the totality of the sinfulness of my heart that Jesus has forgiven me now can you see the point you will never become the victim of someone's sinfulness in totality when if if someone sins against you they sin against you but that when put against your sinfulness in its entirety that Jesus died on the cross for then can you see that the point is this bloke was forgiven by his master zillions of pounds then he met someone who owed him a few quid and that is the comparison and the important thing when we have been sinned against the issue that we all the time have to home in on if you just look at the sin that that person has sinned against you if you just look at that sin and nothing else then you'll find that your own sinful anger and and your want you know revenge it will all it will all go pear-shaped in a major way what you've got to look at is that sin in the context of your own sinfulness that Jesus has forgiven and that's the important thing to do because then you'll realize in the light of what I am like how dare I actually hold unforgiveness in my heart towards this person for that whatever it is I think I've 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 told you before um, I don't know whether it's apocryphal maybe it is maybe it isn't it doesn't much matter because the point it makes is what I'm after but someone who purportedly had a vision and they they suddenly <clears throat> found themselves like in in the crowd um, as Jesus was passing carrying his cross they actually you know like in this vision it's as if they were there and there were all these crowds lining the streets and, and Jesus was you know coming up you know this was before they made Simon you know sort of take his cross and you know sort of like Jesus was coming fairly near them just a few yards away and he was beaten and you know he was pouring with blood as he would have been I mean he was beaten black and blue I mean it was horrific it would be 18 certificate and barely able to carry this cross and the point is that the real suffering of Jesus on top of all that was the fact that he knew that for for, for three hours he was actually going to be cut off from his father in heaven that that was the true horror of the cross but the point is Jesus came very close to this person standing in the crowd the person who's having the vision and as Jesus went past they cried out to him you know in the vision they cried out they said Lord is that the sin of the world that you're carrying 
and Jesus just he paused and he turned he looked at them and he said no this is your sin now that's the essence of why we must forgive other people it's because of what God has forgiven us for and so the point is that we we have been you know sort of like let off a debt of millions and millions of pounds how can we then not let someone else off a debt of a, a few quid towards us it's it's an absolute nonsense isn't it and of course the point behind this is that if we do not show that mercy to other people that God has shown on us then we're going to be out of fellowship with him not talking about losing our salvation if, if we've believed on Jesus if we follow him we're saved all right that's that's you know the salvation cannot be lost you didn't get saved by being good so once you are saved you can't lose it by being bad obviously or it wouldn't be much good would it we'd all lose our salvation but the point is in regards to our ongoing daily relationship with God if we do not forgive other people from our heart Jesus says here then the position that we're actually in is as it were having been thrown into jail by the master and handed over to the torturers now that's quite interesting because if you look at the the nature of unforgiveness is that if you have unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody and this could be anything from the tiff you had with your husband or wife this evening right up to as I say really major things All right. if you've got unforgiveness in your heart either end of the scale what we might call the little end or the big end then part of what characterizes you or me if I'm in that position is a constant nagging and lack of peace because that person is bugging us all the time and that's the nature of unforgiveness isn't it you're bugged and if you have unforgiveness in your heart against people you don't actually enjoy life you can't because they're bugging you all the time you go to bed and what are you going to bed for a good night's sleep well yes but only when you've won a few arguments with them in, in, in your thoughts before you drop off and all the time they're there you wake up in the morning and they're there you want them to have their comeuppance don't you you want them to get sorted out and preferably you'd like to be the one to do it now that that is it's like being in jail and being tormented isn't it you know uh, and and that is always a sign when someone's bugging us all right that's always a sign that there's unforgiveness there and uh, and that we're actually out of fellowship with God and uh, one of the I remember a few years ago one of the things that the Lord showed me really really clearly and uh, it was that if if you haven't forgiven somebody and which is another way of saying you're resenting them you know I mean sort of like the two go together don't you, you resent someone you don't forgive them if you haven't forgiven them you resent them all right and of course when we're in that position really what we want to do is hurt them don't we we want to you know like if misfortune came their way that would be perfect all right 
and there's a sense in which we want to inflict some kind of hurt on them because we're feeling in that negative way towards them and the Lord sort of showed me that when I you know was like resenting people you know it was sort of like you know the, you know like there was a dagger in my hand and I was wanting to you know sort of like you know sort them out and sort of you know, sort of like shaft them with my dagger because I was resenting them and I wanted them to be hurt and for all kinds of calamity to, to come on them. And what I saw quite clearly is every time I lunged at them in my mind, there was someone else standing behind me with a dagger and every time I lunged at them, this dagger lunged at me. And I realised that I was actually doing myself more harm than I was then. Them. And that, you know, sort of like, it, I just realised how crazy it was. You know, here he was me having resentments against people, arguing with them in my mind and, and stuff like that. And it wasn't them I was screwing up, it was me. I was screwing myself up. You know, I mean, half the time, and it often is the case, isn't it, if someone sins against you, they seem quite oblivious of it and quite happy, don't they? And there's you, sinned against resenting them, all unhappy. Well, it's, it's daft, isn't it? I mean, it just makes sense in every possible way to just forgive people and to, and to actually be at peace. But can you see the point? We must not concentrate solely on people's sins against us. We must all the time be remembering what God has forgiven us. If you go to Luke and um, to see more on, on, on this, Luke chapter 7, and um, if you find verse 36, Of course, it's important to realise that when we talk about forgiving sins, all right, um, forgiving isn't excusing. This is important, you know. I mean, like you know, sometimes if we've done something wrong or somebody says you know sorry to us and that tendencies all the time downplay it. Oh, you know, it was nothing. Well, no, that's not true. It was something. If I sin against you, that's not nothing. That's something. If you sin against me, that's not nothing, that's that's something. I mean, you know, if somebody ever apologises to me, I'll just say, oh, you know, sort of, don't worry about it. But, you know, and as in the same way, often I have to apologise to other people, of course. But when we talk about forgiving, this is important, we're not talking about excusing. So that if I forgive somebody, I'm looking at the full horror of the fact that they've sinned against me, and I'm saying, but nevertheless, I forgive you. And what I'm saying is that from my side, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to have anything in my heart against you. The relationship is open from my end. Now, sometimes when people are sinning against you, the relationship is closed from their end. There's nothing you can do about that. But the point is, your heart is open to them for a good relationship to the extent that they're willing to have it. So, when we talk about forgiving, I mean, God didn't excuse us, our sinfulness, did he? He sent Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross for our sinfulness. That wasn't God excusing it. He doesn't excuse us. There's no excuse for sin. But there is forgiveness. So we're not saying that, you know, that in forgiving people, that you've got to try and make, oh, well, no, no it's nothing, or it, do, it doesn't matter. Sin is something, and it does matter. If I sin against you, I hurt you, I damage you. That's not nothing. But the point is, you must nevertheless forgive me 
Not excuse me, but forgive me. Because that is what Jesus has done for you. He hasn't excused you, but he's forgiven you. As that's important to realise, all right, we're not diminishing sin by talking about forgiveness. And of course there's a sense as well in which there's a time to forgive people and yet still punish them. I mean, if, you know, if someone sort of like rob, robs your house, you must forgive them. But it's still right that they're punished by the law because they've broken the law. Or, I mean, you know, sort of like if your child is naughty to the extent that you know it needs to be disciplined in some way, you forgive your child, of course you do. But it doesn't mean that you don't also administer discipline if you think that's what the child needs. All right. So, so we're not in talking about forgiveness, minimising things or, or being, you know, what I would call the soft touch. You know, I mean, the person who's a forgiving person, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's someone who just lies back and lets all manner of evil go ahead. No, there's a time to confront, there's a time to rebuke. But the important thing is, even if it comes to the point where maybe the Lord leads you to actually correct someone, to confront someone and correct them for their sin, the point is, but make sure that you have forgiven them first or you're going to be doing it in a completely wrong attitude, in sort of like a self-righteous attitude. So we just want to underline that. When we talk about forgiving, we're not talking about being soft. We're not talking about being these people who want to, you know, let all the criminals out on the street and just give them a bit of counselling because, you know, all they needed was a bit of love. Well, I mean, I'm sure there are lots of people inside jail who do need a lot of love. There's a lot of people who aren't in jail who need a lot of love. But if someone is a threat to society, then they should be in jail. It's as simple as that. So we're not talking about a kind of a, you know, sort of like a, a liberal do-goodism and stuff like that. But the point is that if we ever had a chance, you know, I mean, like if we met someone who was in and out of jail or whatever, the point is that our hearts are going to be open to them. You know, that sort of like we're going to be quite, you know, we're not going to say, oh, well, you're a criminal, I'm not having anything to do with you. The point is we forgive them for that and we, we you know, sort of like seek to be those who could actually be the means of them coming to know Jesus. Anyway, this Luke 7, all right, and um, start at, at verse 36. And uh, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table, which is how they, they, they ate at that time, you know, amongst the Jews, they, they reclined. Uh, you know, they didn't sit on, on table and chairs. They, you know, the, the, the table was more at floor level, like the Japanese do, and they would, would lie at, at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town, so we're talking about a prostitute, uh, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, it's important to know that in other places in the Gospels, when Jesus may be, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, sort of people came to him who were maybe prostitutes or whatever, he was always very tender towards them. But we got a bit, he always would say, go and sin no more. All right. So the point is here, we have a prostitute who has been convicted of sin 
and is now becoming a Christian. She's coming to Jesus. She's throwing herself at his feet so that he can become her Lord and sort her life out. So the point is, from this point onwards, she would stop being a prostitute. All right. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, Simon was right on one point and wrong on another, all right? Uh, you know, this Pharisee we know from another gospel was called Simon. Um, that um, he was right that saying if Jesus was a prophet, he'd know this woman was and that she was a sinner. Well, Jesus did know that. But where he was wrong was to think that Jesus would therefore not have anything to do with her. He was completely wrong about that. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii. Well, that's, that's a few quid. And the other, 50. So that's less than a few quid. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, the point is, the difference between the Pharisee and this woman is this woman knows that she is a sinner, that she needs Jesus to be her saviour, that she needs to repent of her sins. Now, the fact that she was a prostitute meant that among the sins that she needs to repent of was the fact that she was a prostitute. Whereas Simon, the Pharisee, he didn't believe that he was a sinner who needed Jesus to be his saviour. And therefore, he was self-righteous. And what Jesus was saying to him, he demonstrated. He was saying, this woman knows how much she has been forgiven. And because that debt has been so freely forgiven her, she's overflowing with gratitude and love. And then he turns to Simon, he says, but Simon, you're not overflowing with gratitude and love at all because you don't believe that you have been forgiven much. And the reason that Simon didn't believe that was because he didn't believe he was sinful. But what we're say, seeing here is that Jesus said, if you've been forgiven much, you'll love much. Because when you realise the enormity of your sinfulness that Jesus has forgiven you, then you will love much. So how could you then withhold that same love to other people? And of course the answer is you can't. 
to the extent that you know what you've been forgiven, to that extent you will just have to pass that forgiveness on to other people. For you to know what Jesus has forgiven you means that you are going to love other people. And of course God is love and love is of God. And what is it that God has done? He has forgiven us. So if we've been forgiven much, we will therefore love much. And what will be the heart of that love that we show towards other people? It will be forgiveness, that we forgive them. Jesus said at one point, freely you have received, freely give. So therefore, whatever we've received from God, we pass on quite naturally. So therefore, if we know that we have been forgiven much from God, we will forgive much in other people. But if we find we don't forgive much in other people, then what that means is that we have yet to really know how sinful we are. Because you will forgive as you've been forgiven. So if you have little forgiveness for other people, that means that you've only received little forgiveness from God, which means this, you only believe you're a little bit sinful. Because once you've really tasted of sinfulness of your heart, then you cannot withhold forgiveness to other people. Because the moment, the moment that you try, the Holy Spirit just touches your conscience and you realise what you have been forgiven. So it's therefore out of the question to withhold forgiveness from other people. And of course, it, it, it's important to realise as well that when we do forgive, and this is the same as everything in the Christian life, it's never primarily a matter of emotions. This is the important thing to realise all the time. You don't need to feel forgiveness towards somebody in order to forgive them. To forgive someone is an act of the will. To forgive somebody, someone is to say, they've sinned against me, I've got all these feelings and, you know, sort of like the feelings are all mixed up and I don't feel very forgiving. But nevertheless, in the light of what God has forgiven me, he's forgiven me millions of pounds, therefore I forgive that other person. It's an act of the will. Don't worry about your feelings. And if your feelings start to affect your will, well then repent, say, Lord, oh, I'm sorry, I choose to forgive that person. All the time it's an act of the will. In time, the Holy Spirit will bring the emotions round. But don't wait for the emotions to come first. You can forgive somebody in the absence of forgiving feelings. Because what you're then doing is you're saying, well, my, you know, my feelings are wrong. I judge my feelings, Lord, I'm sorry for my feelings. My feelings don't want to forgive, but I do. And I'm sorry for my feelings, Lord. Sort my feelings out, but I forgive that person. Because you've forgiven me. And everything you've forgiven me, there's no way that I can withhold forgiveness um, in regards to that person. If you go, go to Ephesians, just want to read a couple of verses from... Paul on this. Ephesians 4. And find verse 32. 
when Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And there's Paul saying, if we're Christians, then we're going to be like Jesus. Jesus has forgiven us. We must forgive other people. Let's just go go back to um, verse 29 and, and just read the verses prior to that and see the context. He says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So obviously we've got to watch our mouths, you know, unwholesome talk. That would cover everything from, you know, like dirty jokes and blasphemy and, you know, but through to, you know, sort of like bitching, you know, when you just want to tear people down and, and you know, sort of like backbiting them and stuff like that. No, Paul's saying no, none of that, only that which benefits the listeners. You know, I mean, if I, you know, I mean, if I tell dirty jokes, how's that going to benefit you? It's going to make you dirty, make you fall into sin. So dirty talk is out. You know, I mean, obviously, we've got to make sure that what we say is all the time building people up. And then Paul says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, you know, sort of sealed. This, this is the king's seal. The moment you were born again, the Holy Spirit is your seal. The Greek word here is arabon, and in, in modern Greek, it's an engagement ring. And, uh, you know, the point is, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. The mere fact that we're born again of the Spirit, that's the guarantee that we're going to be saved in the last day, that we are going to make it to heaven, all right? But what Paul's saying is, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't upset the Holy Spirit. And he says, get rid of all bitterness rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Now all that is the stuff that unforgiveness is made of, isn't it? I'll read that again. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. I mean, it's true, the Bible does say, be angry but sin not. There is a godly anger. But it's certainly not the anger that doesn't forgive people. And uh, remembering James, the Apostle James says that the anger of man does not do the will of God. Man's anger will never ever accomplish what God wants to do. Brawling and slander along with every form of malice. All that is the exact opposite to the attitude that Jesus has towards us. His attitude to us is one of love and all he wants is our best. And so he forgives us. But remember, if you're not if, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, you don't want their best. If if I'm withholding forgiveness from somebody, I don't want their best. I want their worst. I want I, I want I want them to get sorted out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I want bad things to happen, but not good things. And so that's why he goes on and in verse thirty two, the one we read, instead of all that be kind and compassionate because that is what the stuff of forgiveness is made of and then at the beginning of uh, verse uh, chapter 5 the next verse he says be imitators of god therefore as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as christ loved us and gave himself up for us 
as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the life of love is obviously going to forgive people. Again, if you see someone breaking into someone's house, you forgive them and phone the police. It's right that they're dealt with and punished. But the point is, you would be more than willing. Or if someone, if someone had broken into your house, you would be more than willing to go and visit them in jail or in the police cell and tell them about Jesus and how they can be saved. Because although it's right they're punished for what they've done, our hearts, because we've forgiven them, are going to be open to them and all the time being willing to be a blessing and a help to them. And go to Colossians now. Chapter 3. And in verse 13, he says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. They have it again. Freely you have received, freely give. That's what Jesus said. If you have been forgiven your sinfulness, think of it like this. Sins, when someone sins against you, or when you sin, commit a sin, that's a, you know, sort of like you've blotted your copybook, all right? There's a blot of ink on the page, a sin. But your sinfulness is the bottle of ink. That's your heart, that's you, that's me. So therefore, how can you ever hold someone's blob of ink against them when God has not held your bottle of ink against you? And that's the point. And we can see again, let's go back to the prior verse and, and, and get the, the context here. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, because that's how God loves us, dearly, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Well, when that sort of thing's winning out, there's a lot of forgiveness around. Then he says, bear with each other, forgive the grievances, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then verse 14 he says, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. I mean, here Paul's saying, you know, look, we're, we're going to, you know, sort of like have compassion and get some kindness in and get some humility. Oh, yeah, get some patience in. And, oh, yeah, I, I can see the, you know, sort of see the gentleness over there. And then he says, right, we've got all these here. And he says, now we're going to wrap them up in forgiveness. And that is what produces perfect unity amongst people. And of course it produces perfect unity. And then in verse 15, he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. How do you have the peace of God in your heart? Well, you've been forgiven, so therefore you're at peace with God. Okay, But if you haven't forgiven other people, you're not at peace with them. The peace of God in your heart is disrupted by the warfare in your heart against others. You're not at peace. But to have the peace of God means that we've got peace in our attitude 
towards other people. There's no malice, no warfare. We're not fighting. We haven't got, you know, sort of like our kind of like axe to grind with people all the time. That's how Jesus was, and that's how we can be as well. So therefore, in the light of that, um, let, let, let's just be overflowing with forgiveness. You know, I mean, if you're to be my friend, if you're to be my brother or my sister, if you're really to be in fellowship with me, then because I am sinful, and because my sin is going to affect you, you've got to forgive me, or you'll not be my friends. How can you? It won't work all the time. Be oh, I go Beresford again, won't you? And it's the same with me. If I'm to be your friend, uh, I've got to have forgiveness in my heart for you all, haven't I? I don't think, oh, there they go again. But if we've got peace and forgiveness, well, that's what Jesus has in his heart towards us. And so therefore it can be hard, it's going to be times when people come back and they take another swipe at you. Then you've got to forgive them again. And then they'll think, oh, they keep forgiving me, easy touch, and they'll take another swipe at you. What do you do then? forgive them again and at the end of the day if you become their punch bag you forgive them because Jesus was beaten black and blue so that our sinfulness could be forgiven Jesus became the punch bag of our sinfulness and if that means at times that we've got to be willing to become other people's punch bag we're going to be the first to forgive we're going to be the first to say sorry we're going to do everything we can to hold that relationship up from our end even if they're doing nothing or, or, or against us in whatever way. But that's the, you know, blessed are the peacemakers and forgiving people when they sin against you. Because of what you've been forgiven, that is how to be a peacemaker.